0: I'm reading from 1 Samuel 2, verses 1 through 10. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry hunger no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive, He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. Upon them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder against them from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed.
1: Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. I heard a uh, a story of a little boy who was uh, seven years old, and he came home with a, a huge stuffed animal from, from a Valentine's party. And his mother said, Son, where did you, where did you get this uh, stuffed animal, and, and how did you get it? He goes, Well, Mom, we were at school, and, and the teacher took all of our names, and she put them into a, to a hat, and she mixed them all up. And then he got real silent. And she's all, what's the matter? And he goes, Mom, I cheated. She goes, what do you mean, son? Mom, I prayed. I love the faith of that little boy. I love it. I love a faith that believes that God is in the middle of everything. I love a faith that believes that God hears our prayers. I love his faith that believes that God will respond to our prayers. So much so, it's considered cheating. It's not fair to everybody else because God will respond to me. I love a faith that is a childlike faith, that trust in such a way that you enter into prayer with God and you know he's right there with you. Jesus talked about such a faith, didn't he? In Mark 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus And they were coming to him to have Jesus touch their children. And his disciples rebuked them, those who were bringing the children. Verse 14 says, when Jesus saw this, he was not a little bit upset. He was indignant. Indignant. This is not okay. For you to hold my children back. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And truly I tell you that anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter into it. And I hope you feel this way with your heavenly father. And he took the children into his arms and he placed his hands upon them. And he blessed them. I think Hannah, in the book of Samuel, which we're beginning, Jackson started us off last week. I think Hannah was growing into such a faith. Like a child full of trust and yet started to mature in such a way that the beauty of this woman just shone forth the character and the love of God. She started to grow in such a faith, and she grew through her brokenness, through the challenges of her life. She grew so much in faith as we watch her life that I believe she was completely transformed as she learned to to enter into prayer and into the presence of the living God, that her life was turned upside down, inside out, and she became a whole new person. Like the New Testament teaches us, we are a new creation. I think that's what happened to Hannah. She became a new creation as she entered in with God Almighty, the lover of her soul. And she drew near to God, and she drew near in prayer, and we, we sang this morning about submitting, consecrating our life to God she was a woman who learned, who learned the beauty and the power and the place of rest and the place of trust as you enter into the presence of God. We have that as children of the Lord. We get to enter into prayer. We get to come into his throne room. And she went to that place. And as she came there, the thing that we'll see about her life is that She started to have a renewed hope. God gave her insight and God gave her truth and and God touched her life to the core. And I think God opened her eyes to the big picture that there's more going on, Hannah. There's more going on here than just you with your desire to have a son. I hear your heart. But I want you to know there's more to the story. And I think God enters in with her at that place. And Hannah responds. And I think she's the one. We always look to King David. King David had, had a heart after God's heart. I think Hannah set the pace on that. I think she truly was a woman who had a heart like God's and as we follow her life, and as we learn to grow as followers of Jesus Christ, that she gives us an incredible example, a saint, who showed what it meant to come to God in her brokenness. And that's what I love about her. Jackson brought that last week. In her brokenness, she didn't blame everybody else. She didn't attack God. She didn't attack the world she went right in the presence of the Lord, the only place to go in her brokenness, and let him him minister to her. Which, by the way, God loves to do. If you'll let him. I think that's part of our problem, isn't it? We face trial, we face tribulation, we face enemies, and we just lash out, and we try every other resource that there is, and we don't let God minister to us, which is what God does best. Hannah did. She let the Lord minister to her. And the scriptures remind us last week that God remembered her. And remember it again doesn't mean like, oh, God forgot. And all of a sudden he finally looked down and there's Hannah. God remembered means that God entered in to her life with incredible power. Just like he wants to do with you and me. He entered in and he showed up. And he transformed her heart. Hannah became a new creation. Let me just remind you a little bit last week of what Jackson brought to us about Hannah and where she was at in life. She was a woman who had no voice, really. She was a woman who was very isolated. She was unable to have children. She was mocked by Penina, Elkanah's second wife. And his second wife was able to have lots of children. And not only was that painful, but then Penina kept attacking her and mocking her with words, and you're worth nothing. So much so that it just just absolutely weighed heavy upon her soul that she had to cry out to God, the only place she could go. She was called a, a drunkard by Eli the priest. She shows up to lay her heart before God, and Eli's so far away from God, he doesn't even recognize prayer anymore, calls her a drunkard, which is an absolute lie. doesn't understand her. Her husband, Elkanah, totally misses her heart. He doesn't understand what she's going through, basically says to her in the Hebrew, "Get over it, woman." And am I not, Hannah, am I not better than ten sons? Just, you know, note for all you husbands out there. Never use that line. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's just not going to work for you. And usually you get a response back that you don't want to hear. <laughs> but this is what I love about Hannah, and I, and I hope that we as followers of Jesus Christ learn to do the same. She turns to the one, to the only one, who really does know her heart. She turns to the one and the only one who truly is much better than ten sons. She draws near to God. She prays to the Lord. Doesn't James remind us of that? Do we forget that part? James 4 reminds us if you will come close to God, if you will draw near to Him, He will, He will come close to you. Are you doing that with your Lord? Are you drawing near? Hannah kept going to that place because she knew it was the only place she could go. I will draw near to the Lord the lover of my soul, the one who knows my heart, the one who knows me to the core, the one who hears my voice, and I will draw near in a childlike faith as I learn to trust him. And she drew near. And God shows up in a powerful way, and he gives her a son. His name is Samuel, the name of God. And I think he gives her a lot more than just a son. But again, new vision, new hope, a big picture of what life is all about. And she is learning, I believe, to live in the big picture. Sometimes we get so stuck, don't we, right here. Well, today is just about coming to church and and today. There's so much more that God is doing you know, even in this morning in our relationships with one another, even in this morning as God is, is dealing with, with our sin and, and with our lives, there's such a bigger picture. And I think God wants to open our eyes to see that, that there's so much more. And I think Hannah's learning to do that. And I know he wants that for us. I have so much more for your life. I want you to see with me what God is doing. She was a woman who had no voice, but then all of a sudden that voice began to sing. And it became an incredible voice. There's a TV show, I've actually only seen it once, and maybe just a glimpse of it, but it's called The Voice. And it's a TV show that that a person comes and they stand on a stage and they sing. There's no instruments or anything. They just just sing. Maybe sometimes they'll have a guitar or something. And there is judges, and the judges sit in these kind of egg-shaped seats, and they are faced away. If I am the singer, they are faced to the back. And the person stands up, facing no audience, and the back of these egg-shaped chairs... And they start to sing. And what happens in the show is this. If, as the judges are listening to this voice, if they are drawn to the voice, as they hear it, and they imagine what the voice could become, as they draw, they hit a button on their chair, and the chair swings around because they want to see who is connected with this voice and what this voice is all about. For Hannah, in the first part of Samuel, she kept singing. And those chairs did not turn around at all. There was nobody drawn to her voice. It was crickets in the auditorium. If she was on America's Got Talent, It would be hitting the buzzer, X, rejected. Hitting the buzzer, X, rejected. Hitting the buzzer, X, rejected. Nobody wants you. Nobody wants your voice. Please get off the stage. You're unacceptable in this performance of life. That's how Hannah must have felt. Rejected, rejected, rejected. But then as we get into verse 21 of chapter 1, the voice, and all we start to hear now is the voice of Hannah. And I think it's very intentional in this book of Samuel. And what we'll start to see is all other voices disappear. They fade out. The husband, Elkanah, he fades out. The priest fades out. And all you hear is, is the song of Hannah and the exaltation of the Lord God Almighty in this book. She starts to sing in verse 21. And listen to what she says. As soon as this child is weaned, I will take him and I will present him before the Lord and he will live there always. As I sing, hear the voice of God, I will wean this child, and I will present him, I will dedicate him, he will be consecrated unto the Lord, and he will dwell there always. As she started to say that, guess what? Judges were hitting their buttons, and chairs were turning around. What is this voice? Where did this come from? This voice, this woman who had been put in her place, who had been rejected, who had been belittled, this voice begins to sing, and the chairs are turning. And I think right here in verse 21, as she starts to speak up, and starts to speak forth, that her words a woman who's been in the presence of the Lord, her words become the voice of the Lord God Almighty. To a generation, remember, it's the time of judges. Every man did what was evil, what was right in his own eyes, basically evil. A time when there was no pursuit of the Lord God Almighty. All of a sudden, a voice comes up, I'm going to present my son, And he will be dedicated to the Lord and he will dwell there always. That's the voice of God speaking through Hannah. And everybody is turning their chairs and going, what is this voice? And guess who's glorified in this process? The only one who can be glorified. God Almighty himself. How does she get to this place? How does she... Seeing with such a voice. As I was studying this passage, I was reminded of of Peter, the fearful deserter, who rejected Christ three times, and then all of a sudden, he shows up at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and he stands up, and he testifies of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. How does that happen? God got a hold of her life. And she allowed the Lord to minister to her and to empower her and to fill her full, just like Peter did. You don't deny Christ three times and run off scared without God coming in and stepping in and and reminding you of who he is in your life. And Peter spoke up. And when he spoke up on that day at Pentecost, it says hearts were pierced. That's because it was the words of God. And 3,000 came to Christ that day. She said, Hannah did, my son will dwell there always in the presence of the Lord. How can she say such a thing? I think that she is able to say that and her voice is able to sing Because she was the one, she was the one who was dwelling in the presence of the Lord. She was the one who was with him. She was the one who was rejoicing and receiving and being ministered to. And you know what, I think for all of us, for all all of us in this culture that we live in today, I think we have to challenge and and be challenged by the Spirit. Not legalism, but really a challenge to our our spiritual journey. Are Are we freeing up time? Are we allowing ourselves to dwell in the presence of the Lord? Are you dedicated to saying, this chunk of time is just for me and God? And I'll tell you what, I don't want to see any one-minute Bibles out there, you know? Here's my one-minute devotion to God. That was on the bookshelves a while ago. I thought, burn those suckers. (laughs) What? Here's my one-minute devotion to God, you know? Because my day is too busy, Lord, so at least I'll get my one-minute in. Are you developing in your spiritual journey, and are you focusing and dedicating... Time that is set aside to dwell in the presence of the Lord. Are you learning to become like Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus? Martha was frustrated, but most of, most of us are Marthas. Let's just keep busy. Let's respond to tyranny of the urgent. And we don't just sit at the feet of Jesus. So my question to all of us, and trust me, I'm right in the middle with you, is what does it look like for us to, to dwell in the presence of the Lord, to really sit and respond, to, to listen, to let the Lord deal with our sin, to, to, to allow the Lord to actually give us the big picture, that there's more than just this circumstance going on. So process with your Heavenly Father. Sit with Him and say, Lord, help me in this area. Because I know if you're anything like me, that's a struggle in this culture that is run, 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 and let's get stuff done. Hannah teaches us what it is to have a life that sits in the presence of the Lord, and so she can freely say, my son will dwell there always with the Lord. And so Hannah was able to rest there, and like Abraham preparing Isaac, she was able to offer her son to the Lord in radical obedience and trust to the Father. And she prepared Samuel to be dedicated to the Holy One. I think God got a hold of Hannah's life like He did with Paul on the road to Damascus absolutely entered in. God remembered. Not only did he just show up, he transformed. Spun her upside down, inside out. This is what life is all about, Hannah. It's more than just a son that you desire. I'm doing some work here. Will you let me minister to you? And I think like Paul on the road to Damascus, he opened her eyes. Remember what Paul says in the scriptures? I was in the presence of the Lord. I can't even verbally explain what that's all about. I don't, there's not words to describe who our Lord is. But Paul became consumed with the love of Jesus Christ and he couldn't shut up about Him. Hannah's voice becomes that. She can't shut up. She has to sing. Her voice is going to be heard. And she keeps singing out. And she keeps responding. And she keeps bringing her voice. Even in the middle of accusation. Look at verse 23. It's kind of interesting. She says, I'm going to go, I'm going to wait till we wean our son, and then I'm going to bring him up to, the, to Eli. And Elkanah says well, stay here and do what seems best to you. Once again, we go, you know, is not a bad guy, and, and he's, you know, he's going to the altar, he's making sacrifices, and he's like, okay, honey, you know, stay here. But the Hebrew's really clear on this. Elkanah's not an awful man, but you know what? He, he, he's kind of a lousy husband at times. And he uses words that are piercing. What he says to her here in verse 23 is this. Hey, Hannah. Oh, you want to stay? You're not going to come up to the, make the offering? Hey, Hannah. Do what is right in your own eyes. Remember, that's the catchphrase of Judges. And every man did what was right in their own eyes. Basically, saying every man sinned. And Elkanah basically accuses her. Oh, you're not coming up with us? Sinner. And he's not real happy about it. Even in the middle of the accusation, the inner beauty of her sings forth. And really, it overcomes the beast. Elkanah's not being a very loving husband right at the moment. But she goes beyond that. Elkanah, I have a bigger picture of what this is all about. And you're not going to hold me back from that. God has given me his heart. And he's opened my eyes. And she responds to that. Even in the middle of the accusation. Then verse 24. She took the boy. You know, that verse in and of itself, that verse for any mother would absolutely shake the universe and she took the boy. The one she had been praying for. She took him. Picture that, will you? I even have some pictures of, of images. This gift from God. God. I prayed for this baby. God, I asked you for a child. And you gave me this child. Father, this is the one I wanted so much. And she gave him to Eli. But she really was giving him to the Heavenly Father. Her eyes were opened up. Most of us, and most of you moms, when it came to this time, to verse 24, I know most of you would say this. Lord, I know I made a promise to you. I don't think I can keep it. He didn't really expect me to hand over this beautiful son to Eli, the priest, who's a lousy priest. And I think it might even go further than that. Lord, I'm not doing it. I think Mama Bear would come out and say, Lord, I will fight you on this one. I'm not doing it. Hannah had eyes that were opened up. I'm not bringing my child, who was probably just a little less than two years. I mean, Scripture scripture even indicates the child was very young. So just envision, after all that prayer, and I think what God did with her as she was in the presence of the Lord, was that he... He opened up her eyes. I am bringing my son to my Lord. God is testing and rejoicing, and I am rejoicing in him, and I have learned to trust in him. She's a broken woman who has been restored by the Lord God Almighty. Verse twenty-four is one of the most powerful verses of radical obedience to God. You want a saint to follow? Follow Hannah. Radical obedience, like the Lewises. I mean, my goodness, you know, I'm a guy who doesn't even like to camp very much, you know, <laughs> and these guys are out here in the jungle serving faithfully digging through those scriptures. Why? So that God would be exalted. Radical obedience. And we already said it, but thank you for your testimony, your example of trusting in God to lead your life. I think the Lewises had a bigger picture of what God was doing. Her voice begins to sing and she responds and she goes to Eli and she brings this incredible offering, the bull and all that was left over and and, and it's it's a sacrifice that's beyond requirement. It's not just her duty. It's a heart that is full of thankfulness. What? I'm giving my son to dwell here with Eli in the house of the Lord? And I come with a heart full of thankfulness. She's living in the presence of the Lord. She can't express enough that her heart exalts in the Lord. She's living in the big picture. Not just giving her son to the Eli, but entrusting him to the Lord. Her voice keeps singing, her voice is holy a voice that is the heart of God. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him and so now I give him to the Lord. Can you imagine that singing? Can you imagine this voice that has been not heard in the land in so long? Eli and his sons are awful. They're nowhere near God. And all of a sudden, a voice of God is coming in. Do you understand, and that's what the Lord wants you and I to be. Servants of His who sing forth His voice, who exalt in God and all that people can do around us is respond to this voice. They're turning their chairs. And she sings and she sings. It's like that beautiful Jackie Ivanko, that 10-year-old opera singer. I just can't get enough of her voice. Angelic. Godly. So much so that Eli, when he hears this voice, I'm the one who made that promise. I'm the one who prayed for that son. And now I present him to the Lord. All Eli can do is fall down and worship God. Who knows the last time he'd done that. He's transformed because of the voice of Hannah. Singing out the the character of God. Here is my son. You know, I was just thinking for all of us who are parents and being intentional in that. Being intentional in dedicating our children to the Lord. And it's always a challenge for me as a dad. Am I, am I raising my children? Am I reminding them? Am I remembering that, guess what, they actually belong to God they're on loan to me. God, for whatever crazy reason, has allowed me to be a dad and Kina to be a mom. He's entrusted us with these beautiful children. Am I intentional in, in bringing forth the love of God and the character? Am I helping them to get the bigger picture of life? My son got a concussion the other day in football. Made this, I got he made, he made this beautiful 60-yard run right up the middle. And he's just about to punch it into the end zone. He's about seven yards out. And, and the Nampa Christian kid just catches up with him and, and, and flips his foot. And he spins around so fast, and he's running so fast, and, he's, and he goes to protect the ball, but he comes backwards and he crashes his head on the turf, which was just rock solid, that turf. And he comes off with this, he's loopy, his he memory is gone for 15 minutes. And after everything started to kind of come back, you know, we started to talk about, hey, you know, we wanted to play right away, right? I said, hey, we gotta just, we gotta rest here, and I think there's just a bigger picture in all of this. I don't know why God allowed you to get a concussion. You were running for that end zone. It looked like you were going to punch it in. You got tripped up on the way. That's kind of the story of life, isn't it? We're just about to punch it in. I say, you know, son, maybe, maybe the Lord wants some other guys to play that position. Give them a, 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 a chance, and maybe you can encourage them. Maybe God's trying to humble you, because sometimes you get a little cocky, don't you? Like a lot of athletes do. But I try to give them the bigger picture. And I hope that's what we're becoming as parents, is, is trying to speak into our children's lives and really learning to, to realize and recognize, guess what? God loves your children more than you ever will or can love your kids. He loves them more. You don't think he has their lives in his, in his hands? You don't think he's got them? He's got them more than you do. And so she dedicates her son. And she goes on to this beautiful song of Hannah. And let me just tell you about this poem. Brian Morgan has a great statement about this poem. He says it's it's beyond the scope of a sermon this beautiful song. To probe the genius or the intricate depths of Hannah's poetry. Poetry is designed to be sung into the heart rather than analyzed by the intellect. To analyze a poem by pulling it apart is like dissecting a rose to comprehend its beauty. In our desire to appreciate the mystery, we can lose the fragrance of the poem. And so I don't want to analyze the poem. I just want to give you a few things about it as we think about Hannah singing this song, full of praise. The poem has the overriding theme of The Lord is my strength. Horn is used as strength. Horn is used as power. The Lord is my strength. He is the one I will exalt in. The poem, the song, is not about personal attack on on Penina when it says, My mouth boasts over my enemies. She's not attacking Penina. She's attacking the enemies of God. Those who are against you, God, they're against, I, I'm against those who are against you. It's a big picture. She's singing a song in the big picture. Actually, at the time, the Philistines were the enemies of God, weren't they? King David eventually comes up, who dares mock the living God? He has that same heart. The enemies of God are enemies of me. Those who are barren now have seven. She's not talking again about her own life and having seven children. She's talking about God takes things that are upside down and inside out. God redeems that which is broken. God can transform that which seems that it can't be fixed. God restores that, which we, we sometimes go, how can it ever be restored? It speaks of His strength and His glory and, and who He is. And it talks about how he's a God who transforms things. He exalts the humble, he can, and he humiliates the proud. The poem has the central character of God. He is holy. He's incomparable. He's trustworthy, that rock. He's the one who reverses and redeems things. You know, in Luke chapter 1, Mary sings out a very similar song about Jesus and being gifted Jesus. And so take a look at that. I will exalt in the Lord my God. The poem is fixed on the things of God. Verse 10 is amazing to me. He will give strength to his king. Hey gang, there was no king. There was no king. Don't you think that God opened up the eyes of Hannah? Don't you think she lived in the big picture? The thing that blows me away about this whole song is this. Where where is it saying in this song, in this song, "And Lord, thank you for my son Samuel. Thank you for giving me this beautiful child." I kept looking for it. Wouldn't you say, Lord, thank you for this son? It's not there, is it? It's not there. She is thankful for her son. But the thing that is so beautiful about this song is that she is consumed with God, the one who gave her the son. We see her passion and her pursuit was not to possess a son but to be in the presence of the living God who loved her and knew her soul she wanted more than anything that relationship with holy God incomparable trustworthy and so her voice kept singing a broken woman whose voice resounded the beauty of the Lord and she could not stop but exalt in all that God was doing as she lived in the big picture of what God had for her life. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your beauty. I thank you how you redeem the broken. I thank you, Father, that we can give you praise when our life seems upside down and inside out. And Father, I just pray that you will minister to us right in the middle of these times. For those in this body right now that are hurting and, and are confused and it doesn't make any sense, Lord, would you minister to this dear family here? Lord, remind us that you are the God who is our rock, our salvation. You are a God who is trustworthy. And you are a God who loves to minister to us. And that you are the God who can. You can redeem the broken. You can turn inside out to righteousness and and to goodness, that which seems evil. And so, Father, we turn our lives over to you. And, Father, we do, we want to dwell in your presence. Help us to rest there, Lord, this week. In your precious name, amen.